As Mike was saying, you know, we live in a pretty complex world, and God knows we need wisdom. We need to know how to how to live in a world that is as confusing as ours has been has become. Um, the thing is, it's really not any more confusing than it's ever been. If you take a look at what the Bible has to say, um, people are the same. People have been the same. People aren't changing, and uh, the problems are the same. So, in this series, as we go through it, we're going to be taking a look. Um, at wisdom as seen from the perspective of God as a foundation for what we're going to discuss. But basically throughout this series, we're going to look at everyday problems. I mean, things that you and I experience on a daily basis, sometimes maybe not daily, but maybe every other week or sometimes monthly, I don't know, whatever it is, and, uh, and how to deal with it in, a, in an appropriate way. Um, in our examination of the, uh, of the book of Proverbs, of Proverbs, we're going to see that there are practical problems for everyday problems. If you've got your Bibles, turn and, and uh, look at Proverbs chapter 14 for a second, because I think this particular verse sums up the whole book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, and look at verse 12. The book of Proverbs is a contrast of thoughts. It is very clear what God has to say by using this, this poetic uh, form of literature in contrasting one idea with another so that you can grasp what he's trying to say. Proverbs 14.12 I think is a, is, a, is a key verse in all the book of Proverbs because it identifies what the whole book of Proverbs is trying to say and that is this. There is a way, a lifestyle, uh, a decision-making process, um, however you want to put it, a way to live, um, actions that we take. There are ways that seem right to men but their ways lead to death or destruction. The contrast is there. There's two ways to live. There's a way that seems right, but is wrong, and the way that is right, because it is right. There's a way that seems right, it leads to destruction. There's a way that is right, that leads to benefits and blessings and all kind of good things. There is man's way to do things, then there is God's way to do things. And man's ways seem right at the time. Man's ways justify, rationalize, and they all make sense. I mean, I've heard some of the things uh, that absolutely make sense. And we're going to share that as we go through this and, and contrast what happens whenever you hear someone say something that makes sense. It seems to make sense, but before you know it, the thing explodes right in everybody's face. See, sincerity is not the issue. It never is. Uh, we all know many people are very sincere about whatever it is that they're doing or whatever it is that they're saying or even whatever it is that they believe. But sincerity has never been the issue. Truth is always the issue. And, uh, you know, you and I both know, and I, we can probably contrast it by a story that I heard. It's kind of a cute story. I've got a friend who does a hunting and fishing show on ESPN, and uh, he kind of, you know, good at these hunting and fishing stories, but whatever. But it was a story about a man who had recently moved uh, to the state of Minnesota. If you've ever been to Minnesota, you know that Minnesota uh, is known as the, the state or the, the land of 10,000 lakes. And uh, if you've ever been to Minnesota, you know that fishing is obviously, uh, when you've got that many lakes, you've got to do something with them. So, you know, fishing is big. So I said that this man moved to Minnesota, and he went to uh, Minnesota, and he moved there in the dead of winter. It was freezing cold. Everything was frozen. He, had, he very rarely fished, yet alone he never gone ice fishing. So he went to, to this particular place that they said was a great place to fish. He goes out, he takes his stuff, he cuts a hole in his ice, he drops his line in there, and he sits there about 50 minutes in about sub-zero uh, degree weather, and he's freezing, and he's just thinking, this is a lot of fun. And uh, then he hears, you know, he hears a voice, and his voice says, there are no fish down there. 
And he thinks he hears it, you know, but he's not real sure because he's frozen, his ears are kind of cold, and you know how when the wind's blowing you think you hear all kind of things right before you're ready to die. And uh, so, you know, he was there, and he heard this. So he got up, and he moved about 50 yards. He cuts another hole, and he, and, uh, he sits there again, and he, again he hears the same voice. Here's his voice. There are no fish down there. And he, he's listening, and finally, you know, out of desperation, he says, Is that you, God? And the voice says, No, but I own the skating rink that you're trying to fish on. <laughs> so, you know, the guy was sincere, and the guy thought he knew what he was doing, but as you could probably imagine, sincerity wasn't the issue. Facts are the issue. Truth is the issue. And a lot of us get, have come to the point where, you know, we don't consider the facts anymore. We just have opinions. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look in this particular session at the problem of wisdom. We started to talk about it last week, uh, but we're not going to kind of, we're not going to regroup. We're just going to move straight ahead because the Bible, in particular in this area, discusses wisdom on a regular basis in the book of Proverbs. And so as a, as a simple definition, one that I can understand and it makes sense to me, uh, the best definition I've heard is uh, from a guy called, named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He says this about wisdom, and we'll use this and we'll run with this. He said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. He says, to know is not to be wise, for many men know a great deal and are all, and are all the greater fools for it. He says, there is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And I like that. And that's probably the best definition that I have come across as to what is wisdom. Wisdom is very simply the right use of knowledge. And as you will see, we need to ask a very simple question, and that is, where do we get wisdom? Where do we get it? And I think it's fascinating, too, because when you get right down to it, you're going to find out that the same place we get knowledge is the same place we're going to get wisdom. Because why not go to the source of all knowledge to also find out how to apply that knowledge? And so the Bible very clearly teaches, and throughout the book of Proverbs, we'll see Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I like that, because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, for all Scripture is inspired by God. The, literally, what it means is all God breathed. You notice this? He says, for, for it's the Lord that gives wisdom, and it's from God's mouth that comes knowledge and understanding. What the Bible clearly teaches is that all knowledge comes from the mouth of God. It is literally God breathed. God spoke. Hebrews chapter 1, in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It says in previous times and in former ways and in former manners, God spoke to us in different ways. He spoke through dreams. He th spoke through the prophets. He spoke through uh, you know, manifestations, a cloud in the sky, fire in the sky, a burning bush. He spoke in a lot of different ways. But His final revelation to man, God has spoken for the last time in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that's why we all need to wake up and understand something. God is not going to talk to you different than he is speaking to everybody else. God does not have something special to say to you in the areas of revelation or God revealing what he desires of our lives that is in contradiction to what he's already revealed, revealed in, a, in a written word form. All right, now God may motivate your heart to do something that he calls you to do. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
He may motivate you to do something that he wants you to do, that he's got a work for you to do. And that's fine as long as it doesn't contradict what he's already written in the Bible. He will never call you to do something outside of what he's already said is right or wrong. I'll give you an example. I had a guy one time who said, God's calling me uh, to be a missionary. So that's wonderful. What's your wife think about it? Well, she's not for it. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I think I've got to answer God's calling. I'm going to have, probably have to leave her and the kids. Say, man, you know, you're like the most, you know, I don't think you're ready to be a missionary yet, everybody. You know, you might want to spend some time reading your Bible. <laughs> because if you're going to tell other people about God, I think you ought to really get to know him a little better. And, you know, people get insulted by that. But, gee, think about, you know, you, I mean, you all laugh. That's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Well, it certainly was me, too. But there are many people that believe stuff like that. And we understand God never calls us to do anything in contradiction to what he's already revealed. So, anyway, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Well, where do you get wisdom? The same place you get knowledge. We get it from the Word of God. We get it from the Bible. If any man lacks wisdom, James says in 1, verses 5 through 8, if any man lacks wisdom, and we all do, God knows what we do, he says, let him ask of God who gives generously and above reproach, and he won't criticize you for lacking wisdom because he already knows that you do. So it's one of those catch-22 things. It's like God knows we need to come to him for wisdom, so why would he criticize us when we say, God, I don't know what I'm doing? Some of the most refreshing things I've ever heard were when people would just say, I don't know what's going on. I heard a, well, never mind. You know, I, it's like, I, sometimes I just kind of like, I go, I get out of control, so I just got to catch my bell. Okay, there, that's better. But it's like, you know, I don't know, whatever. Okay, well, that's probably, has a good time to go to this. Why do some of us lack wisdom? Why do some of us lack wisdom? We've got to ask this question because many of us struggle with how can somebody who knows so much do something so dumb? And think about it in your own life. How can someone who knows what God says, knows what the Bible teaches, has been exposed to it, can recite it, has memorized passages, have memorized verses, knows what God has to say on specific issues and subjects and topics and things to do and not to do. How can we who know so much sometimes to do some of the dumbest things in contradiction to what we know. That's a real honest question from the heart. And it's one that we need to address because you need to ask yourself that. How can I know as much as I do about God and about the Bible and about judgment, about sin, about consequences, about all these things, and yet still choose to do the wrong thing? Let me ask something. Have you ever struggled with that? Struggle with that? be honest have you struggled with that all right then have you everybody have you struggled with that thank you very much now you probably need to pay attention then would you like an answer for it yes all right that's good you are a little more awake at 11 o'clock or whatever why does someone lack wisdom all right you got your bibles look at proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 it's some man i'll tell you what this is worth the price of admission this stuff here tell you right now Why do some of us lack wisdom? Why do some of us who have so much head knowledge fail to apply it in our life? This, I think, is going to surprise you. Proverbs 3, look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Some of us have a problem. What's a problem in, in, the, in the street vernacular so that we can understand it here? 
What would you say it is? Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why do some of us lack wisdom? Pride. Okay, that's one way to put it. Pride. Pride boils down to meaning what? Okay, pride means selfish. Uh, what else? Arrogant. Okay, arrogant in what way? There it is. You know it all. You never meet anybody like that? You know it all. Think about this for a second. Why do some of us lack wisdom? Because we don't need wisdom because we already know everything. What do I need wisdom for? I already know it. Isn't that the truth? Think about this for a second. See, when we think we're wise, when we think we know what's right or wrong and not consult the Bible, then we shut off the flow of God's wisdom into our life. Let me ask you something. Before you were a Christian, did you think you knew what was right and wrong? How many thought they knew what was right or wrong? What's one of the first, first, oh, first, what's one of the first shocking things that you discovered after becoming a Christian about what you thought was right and what you thought was wrong? It's all mixed up. This can't be right. It's all confusing. I mean, because the things that I thought were right, God says are wrong. And the things I thought were wrong, God doesn't necessarily say that they're wrong. Give me an example. I don't know how many of you have this kind of background. But I, I, I came from a background of a church affiliation that said, if you don't go to church, then you're going to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. If you miss church, you go to hell. So what did that cause you to do? Well, go to church, but not really be there. You know, you're sitting there like some of you, and you're somewhere else. I know that. I had a friend that used to do isometrics. We were on a football team. He'd sit there, and he'd just get all pumped up. He'd do that. He did that the whole time, man. He was huge. You should have seen how big he got. It was the greatest thing in the world, you know? Spiritual, physical growth. The spiritual part didn't take place until he learned what it meant to become a Christian, but the physical part, he was, he was happening there. So he was all pumped up. You know, he was the first guy I could walk out and say, man, I really got pumped up at church today, you know? And, and no one really is like, well, good for you. But uh, think about it. You thought some things were right, and then you find that they weren't. For example, some of you may identify with this. In our society, and I can remember a time in my own life, I thought sex outside of marriage was fine. If what? If you loved each other. <laughs> yeah, someone used that line on you too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do, baby, baby. I love you, I love you, I really do. What was your name again? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's okay. All right? And then when that started to bother you, then it was like we at least should get engaged because then it must be okay if you're engaged. So that's kind of the way that was. Then I become a Christian, and then I read the Bible, and the Bible says, no, all sex outside of marriage is wrong. Well, wait a minute. But I thought it was right. And God says, no, that's wrong. Oh, shoot. All right, and then I'm kind of dealing with this whole church thing, you know, thinking, man, if I don't go to church, I'm going to hell. And God says, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Because it's not based on works that you're right with God. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ. So it isn't a matter of how you perform on a daily basis, whether if you died right now, you're going straight to hell or you're going to heaven. You know, God doesn't grade on a curve. It's either you're in or you're out. You're a saint or you ain't. 
I like that, you know, because I always had smart people that hung out in our classes that screwed up the old curve, you know, and you always want to beat them up. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so think about it. Now let me ask you some questions. Oh, please. Yeah, I know. I'm afraid we're going to say it too. What are some of the things that you grew up believing were wrong? Facial hair. (laughs) Let's just get this right out in the open right now and just kind of put it away. All right. Now I got that thing here. Uh, (laughs) Facial hair for women. (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's fine. All right. Until they become grandmas. (laughs) Then, you know. Just kidding. Oh, jeez. Hey, 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 hey. I come from an Italian family, man. My grandma started looking like my grandpa early on in life. <laughs> we used to get all confused sometimes, you know. I was like... Just so she had the apron on, we were covered. Anyway. Um, all right, no, 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 no. What, what, did you, what, did you, what are some of the things you believe were wrong? What? Yeah, Eat Meat on Friday is that same uh, religious institution. Promoted that particular concept, too. Eating meat on Fridays, man. You know, I threw that. I threw everybody off, and I said, "Okay, just kidding. You can eat meat again." <laughs> what? No more tuna fish spaghetti sauce. Hallelujah. That's <laughs> 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 enough to make you change religion, right there, huh? All right. Um, all right. What else? What else was wrong? Oh, going to movies. Some of you remember that going to movies was wrong, right? Dancing, Dancing was wrong. Okay, what kind of dancing? Any kind of dancing. You know, that's why some of you are like so uptight, man. Mike starts playing, you know, stamping, starts clapping. You're like, I'm going to go to hell. I'm fighting. Oh, and your feet starts going and you're like, please, Lord, you know I can't help myself. You know, and you get all shook up about that, you know, because that's the background you came from, you know, and you just were taught that that was wrong. You know, and then you start going, well, wait a minute, is it slow dancing? Is it fast dancing? It must be a disco dancing. Is it, because uh, I can't do that, so obviously that must be wrong. But, um, you know, what else? What, what other things? Playing cards. Playing cards. It's amazing to me how some institutions could promote such ideas and then have bingo night, <laughs> you know. Monte Carlo night, let's get ripped and collect some money, you know. Here we go, a big beer barrel, roll it out. Here we go, we're playing bingo tonight. You know, but good, if you show up at church on Sunday, you're going to heaven. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, what else? Rock and roll. You know, rock and roll certainly comes from the pit of hell. Long hair on guys. Earrings. What else? What? Drinking. <laughs> Makeup. Yeah, if you wear cosmetics. You know, that was wrong. I mean, you know, stop and go through this. You know, I jotted down to some things that I think about. Certain clothing, driving certain cars, spending so much money on yourself. Uh, what else we got here? Reading the horoscope. Well, that is wrong. Uh, <laughs> let's not get confused here. What? Working on Sundays, uh, how about plastic surgery, drinking coffee, eating certain kind of foods? What? What? Swearing. Yeah, can you believe that people thought that was wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah, That cracks me up, too. 
Okie dokie. Drinking too. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, why do some of us lack wisdom? Let me just tell you something. I'll tell you why we lack it. Because some of us think we know what's right. And we think we know what's wrong. And I'm going to challenge you to consider something. Maybe. <laughs> Everybody, Jim Slaw's on sound today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Man, you got that little power thing working for you there, Ross. But maybe we don't. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know what's right, and maybe you don't know what's wrong. See, there's the assumption that God throws out to you. Guess what he assumes? You don't. You don't know what's right, and you don't know what's wrong. And neither do I. So when somebody asks me my opinion on something, I don't even dare to give it because I don't have one. Because I've learned that I don't know anything. And you still come to listen. (laughs) So what does that mean? I don't know. So can I just challenge you for a moment to consider something? The only thing that we know for sure is what God says. Period. And you know what? You know how liberating that is? To have the freedom to know what's right or wrong. That it's not going to change tomorrow. That it's not going to change a month or two months or six years from now. That the Word of God is a constant standard for all generations into eternity. You know what a wonderful feeling that was of liberation when I recognized that? To know that a religious institution that I've been part of that continually changed its rules so you never really knew where you stood. They never really had any answers. You never knew for sure if you died today that you'd be in heaven. You never had any of that freedom to know that. To be able to read the Bible and discover what God says is true. That he says if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ that you're a new creature, all things pass away. From that moment in time, you are born again. You're a new person in the sight of God. To know that if you died, whether you missed church today or not, that you'd still be with him for all of eternity. That it's not based on your works or performance or things that you do or things that you don't do or whether you wear a certain dress or whether you wear earrings or long hair or short hair or a beard or you go to a movie or, or you struggle with any other thing in life that you wrestle with from an from a action standpoint. You know how wonderfully liberating it is to begin to want to do things out of love and appreciation for what God's done for you rather than to be forced to do it because of some religious institution that says you have to do certain things. What a wonderful thing it is to worship God out of a spirit of love and desire and thanksgiving than out of fear and coercion and not knowing where you, where you stand in his sight. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Hallelujah. I mean, you know, get a little excited about it, you know, because that's the truth of the word of God. And, you know, I don't know what's right or wrong anymore unless God specifically says that it is. And I'm not going to hammer on friends or people that don't know the Lord about what they're doing, it's right or wrong. I just want to concentrate on just sharing with them that they need to know Jesus Christ. Because after that, he takes care of all the rest of it. You know, he does, man. He just goes to work and he's at work in each one of us and he continues to do good work until the day Jesus Christ comes back. So all I'm saying is that please don't think you know everything because you don't. 
And the things you think you know, you probably don't know, and they're probably wrong, and the things you need to know are the things that are in this book, and you need to spend some time and read what God says is right or wrong. So let's not be so critical and judgmental of one another over peripheral issues that God doesn't have an opinion on one way or the other, and let's just focus on the fundamental faith of, of Christianity that's found in the Word of God. Why do some of us think we don't need wisdom? Because we think we know everything, and yet don't. And the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize I don't know half as much as I thought I used to know. And I'm getting dumber by the day. <laughs> and it's a scary thought, I know, because how much further can this deteriorate? <laughs> the second thing is, look at Proverbs 1 for a second. You talk about something that'll get you excited. Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33. Why do some of us lack wisdom? Because we simply refuse to listen. It's as simple as it gets. Proverbs 1, look what it says. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love your simplicity? I love the way God speaks. How long, O fool, will you continue to be a fool? How long are you going to continue to be dumb? How long are you going to continue to ignore what God says is right or wrong and do what you want to do? How long? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. How long are you going to keep on doing it? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my no words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. You neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind and distress and anguish come on you. Then, oh yeah, then you'll call on me, but I'll not answer. Yeah, then you're going to seek me, but you know what? You're not going to find me. Because he hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. All my reproof, so shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive shall kill them, and the complacency of fools shall destroy them. But, here's a contrast again. But he who listens to me, speaking of the voice of wisdom, shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. You see what God's saying? God is saying his wisdom and knowledge that's available in the word of God is like a voice shouting in the street. You're seeing the signs all around us. We see society falling apart. We see AIDS. We see promiscuity. We see crime, we see drugs, we see war, we see hatred, we see racism, we see bigotry of all sorts, we see prejudices that cross every economic and social barrier, we see all of it and it's shouting out and we look at the news, we watch TV, we see all of this and God's saying, how long are you going to ignore the wisdom of God and love simplicity and love doing what you want to do? When are you going to stop messing around and start paying attention to God? See, God's wisdom is not hidden in a corner for some educated elite few that have access to the wisdom of God. God's knowledge and wisdom is accessible to the masses of people. It was written in the New Testament in common Greek, the language of the people. It was not necessarily to be set aside for the clergy to hold and to hide and to manipulate. And that's what the big battle of the Reformation was all about. But it was to be made accessible so that you and I have access to the knowledge and the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is not hidden from any person here. You have access to it. The Bible says we're to seek wisdom like silver and gold. Not that it's hidden from us. 
It's open, it's accessible, but we should seek it with the desire and the hunger and the enthusiasm that we seek other things of material blessings. When you see a, a, a prospector that finds a nugget of gold, man, it's like everything else in life is secondary to finding more and to hitting that main vein, and they go crazy looking for it. And God says the Word of God is like that. When you find just one little nugget of wisdom from God, it should make you want to drop everything else and to dig in and find out as much as you can about what God has to say about every area of life. We should seek it and have a hunger for hunger and righteousness and, and a thirst for the things of God. David said, I, like the deer pants next to a water's brooks, so my soul pants for you. I got a hunger for you, God. I got a hunger for your word. I got a hunger for your wisdom. I need to know because the answers aren't there. They're nowhere in this world. They're only in the word of God. But some of us don't have wisdom because we simply refuse it. God is shouting in your face. The Spirit of God, if, you've know, if you know Christ and the Spirit of God lives within you, is shouting from within you to stop doing some of the stupid things that you're doing and to start doing what's right before God. Why don't we have wisdom? Because we ignore that voice. Because we ignore the wisdom of God. Because we know what's right, but we want to do what's wrong. We just, frankly, point out, want to be disobedient. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And our society says, hey, you owe it to yourself to do that. And the wisdom of God says, you're a foolish person, you naive person, you scoffer of the things of God. You're going to get yourself in all kind of trouble, and then you're going to come crying to me saying, oh God, please help me now. And God's wisdom won't do you any good because it'll be too late in certain cases. How can a person as age scream, oh God, give me wisdom now? And you have wisdom on how to live out the rest of their life and be obedient to the God. Wisdom of turning to the Lord and seeking forgiveness and the love and compassion of God that's found in Jesus Christ. That's it, though. But when it comes to being cured of what they've done, hey, sorry, I don't think so unless God chooses to come up with some cure for it. But see what I'm saying? Certain consequences of our actions, it's too late to seek wisdom at that point. We need to understand that we've got a God who loves us and is, is there on a regular basis to forgive us of anything that we do. And some of us need to stop what we're doing right now and ask him to forgive us and start listening to the wisdom of God. Now the question is, we know now why we lack wisdom, but how do you know if you're a wise person? How do you know if you're wise? I just want to go through these and kind of give you a, a sense of, kind of it's a, it's a self-test because some of us think we're wise and you need to ask yourself a question, is that really true of me? Am I as wise as I think I am? Well, number one, you already know that if you think you know everything, you're not as wise as you just thought a minute ago. So now, you know, that there, there's kind of a foundation there. Let's build upon it. Number one, a wise person senses their accountability before God. A wise person senses their accountability before God. You know, it's a wonderful thing is that God says basically, hey, what he says is right is right. What he says is wrong is wrong. And he doesn't really have to explain any of it to us. But because some of us need to be encouraged to know we're heading in the right direction, he at least gives us an opportunity to see whether we're heading in the right way. A wise person senses their accountability before God. Proverbs 1.7 says, very simply, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, the wise person recognizes that God exists, recognizes that God's in control, recognizes that God's in charge, recognizes that what God says goes. And that wise person recognizes in their own life that they must humbly come before God and admit and acknowledge, I don't know what I need to know. Please teach me. Is open, is teachable. See, we sense our accountability before God. A wise person also begins to realize another thing. And that is, you know what? 
It's not that I fear getting caught in what I'm about to do. It's not that I fear the consequences of what I'm about to do. See, because we live in a symptomatic society that if we can eliminate the consequences, then we begin to believe that the action is okay. See, if we can eliminate AIDS and venereal disease, then it must be okay to be rampant and have sex with anyone you want outside of marriage. That's the message that we're being taught. If we have safe sex, that's the message we're being taught. And I certainly don't mean to dwell on this, but it's the most obvious societal problem that we have right now in the area that seems right to man, but it's end is destruction. And so, you know, we have this attitude about, well, you know what, wait a minute. No, see, it's not whether you experience consequences or not. It's a matter of whether it's right or wrong. See, what are you going to tell your children? You teach them that, well, you know, if you experience consequences, then it's wrong. But if you don't experience consequences, what's the assumption? That it must be right. See, many people grow up in environments where they're taught this is wrong according to the Bible because there's consequences. Well, you don't see any immediate consequences, and therefore it must not be wrong, so you continue to do what's wrong before God, even though you don't see the consequences in somewhere downstream. There will be consequences, but they don't happen as fast as some of us think that they should. I know a guy that was having an affair that thought, man, this was the greatest sex he ever had, and he never even struggled with it because he had been taught that it was wrong, and therefore if he did it, then it wouldn't feel good and it wouldn't be right. And it was like, man, this is great. So I guess it must not be wrong. No, it's still wrong, whether it's good or not, whether it feels good or not. That's not the issue. Same with drinking, same with drugs, same with any of that. Hey, some, you know, hey, drugs feel great. If they didn't feel good, no one would do them a second time. Think about how stupid we are sometimes. Drinking is, you know, hey, if it didn't feel good, then people wouldn't do it again. And by the time they're hooked on it, then they start to feel all the consequences, and then they're hugging the toilet, and then they're, you know, looking at their face in, in, the, in the water reflection, a little tidy bowl man swimming by him, you know, saying, gee, good to see you here again. And, uh, you know, whoa, you know, and, and, and rowing to get out of the way. But, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with here. You know, it's wrong because it's wrong. It's wrong because we're accountable to God. It's like Solomon's conclusion in life. Fear God and know that every one of us have to give an account to God for the things that we do, whether they're good or whether they're bad. It's not a matter of consequences. It's a matter of what's right or wrong. It's a matter of truth. The wise person senses their accountability before God. Number two, the wise person does not hate, the, hate those who rebuke them. Proverbs 9, 8 as one particular illustration of this truth. The wise person does not hate someone who rebukes him. Give instruction to a wise man, and what? And he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. Proverbs 15.31 He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Do not hate those who correct you? Let me ask you a question. How many of you like being criticized? Oh, I do. Bring it on. <laughs> you know, how many of you, seriously, you like being criticized? I don't know too many people like being criticized. What's the first thing that usually happens when you're criticized? Huh? You get defensive, man. That wall goes up, man. You, the defense mechanism kicks in. The wall goes up. The barrier's there. You trench in. You pull out your gun and you're over the top. You know, you just wait. Or the first response of most people when they're criticized is, who do you think you are telling me? Look at your life. You're all messed up. Look in a mirror. Get that, you know, it's like Jesus said, you know, to some degree, hey, get that big plank out of your eye before you start digging on the speck in mine. Get those dirty fingernails away from my eyes. You know, and, and that's what he's saying. None of us 
as a natural response, want to be criticized. And here's a, and, and, I'll, and I'll illustrate it this way. When was the last time you ever prayed, Dear Lord, send some pinhead into my life. Well, let me change that. Dear Lord, send some well-meaning, well-intentioned person into my life to criticize some area of my life. And do it as fast as you can. Amen. How many of you? How many of you ever, huh, 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 huh? ever pray that prayer? Nah, not really, huh? Why not? Because we don't want to know where, where, where we got weak areas. We don't want to see our flaws and our character. We don't, see, and here's, and here's the problem. And this is a problem with accountability. We don't have the natural desire to want to be accountable to God nor to anybody else. Isn't that the truth? Don't you tell me what's going on in my life. You just take care of your own life. And that's why accountability doesn't work. That's why we're not transparent with one another. That's why we don't want to be open and honest with one another. And that's why, frankly, it just doesn't work. I mean, I've had accountability groups, and I'm not saying it's wrong because I encourage it and I think it is, but I'm just telling you what the danger is. I've had groups of guys that get together. I had one group we got together for eight years. For eight years, one of the guys in our group had ten affairs, and no one knew about it until it all hit the fan later on. And I got together with them afterwards and said, you got to be kidding me. How in the heck did you do that? We met once a week. Once a week. For six months at a time. For eight years. And I didn't have a clue. Isn't that something? Yeah, but you know what something? It's going on now for you. Because one thing it taught me was I won't be ever as naive as I used to be. You know what I'm saying? Because you've got to look at the objective facts and not the subjective person. You can't get snowed by anybody who talks a good line. You've got to look and see what the evidence is. That's why it's so wonderful to have a book that is a standard that's objective so we can look at it and say, well, we've got a problem here. So don't hand me any of your crap. <laughs> you know, if you want to be accountable, great. If you want to have a relationship, good. But if you're going to lie to me and snow me and tell me all this stuff, I don't have time to waste with you. Don't waste your time with someone else. I got people who genuinely care about their walk with the Lord and they want to do what's right and they're struggling in areas and they want to be open and transparent and they want to be accountable and they want to be able to pick up the phone and they want to share what's going on so that we can encourage one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. See, that's what it's all about. But man, you know, a wise person says, even to the pinhead, thank you very much. I appreciate what you have to say, and I'll take it into consideration. That doesn't mean you agree with everything they say, because some criticism is just, who knows where people come up with it. They're having a bad day, and they come up to you, and they say stupid things. You know, we're all guilty of that. But I'll tell you what, if we would be more open to being rebuked or corrected then maybe we'd all become more Christ-like in the way we live. Number three, we get wiser when we get more knowledge. We get wiser when we get more knowledge. It's very interesting, you know, the bottom line is, is that, hey, a wise person is not to be conf confused with someone who's perfect. We're not perfect, none of us are perfect, but the wise person is the one that always wants more information. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, well, you know what? I remember six years ago you taught on the subject and you said this or that and now you changed your mind. I said, yeah. Well, what's the problem? Well, how can you change your mind? Well, very easy. I got more information. And when I got more information, I realized that my old position was wrong. And according to the Bible, a wise person is say, was the one who says, hey, I was wrong. I got more information. 
Now, I believe this to be true. It's not a matter of, you know, pride of saying, well, no, that's my position. I'm going to hold that position until I die, whether it's the right position or not. Some of us are that stupid that we'll do that. We're confronted with the facts. We're confronted with the information. And what do we do? We trench in instead of saying, man, you know what? All this time I thought that was right. Now it's wrong. That was one of the interesting things about studying the Word of God after coming out of a different religious institution because all these years I thought something was right or wrong and the evidence was overwhelming and I had two choices. Either I was going to believe what I believed before was still right or wrong despite the evidence or I was going to say what I believed before was wrong and now here's the evidence to convince me of that truth. Some things I used to think were wrong, now I know are wrong. Some things I thought were wrong, I know aren't wrong. Some things I thought were right, I now know were wrong. And that's okay. And some things today, probably as I continue to study the Word of God and as I continue to be confronted by people and as I continue to, to search the Scripture and as I continue to ask God for wisdom, guess what? There are going to be some things tomorrow that I'm going to change about what I feel about today. We're all learning and growing, folks. None of us have a, a, a captive market on wisdom. That's why we continually must ask God. Number four, we're wise when we plan ahead for difficult times. We're wise when we plan ahead for difficult times. Proverbs 10.5 specifically deals with the area of finances. You know, some of us live like it's going to last forever and we don't plan for tomorrow. God says, you are a foolish person if you don't plan for tomorrow. We need to understand we are wise when we plan ahead for difficult times. You know, I deal with guys all the time who are in a very temporary environment economically. Guys who play professional sports, the average career is 3.3 years. You don't know from one day to the next whether you're going to be working. And you would think that they'd have a good handle on the fact that, you know what, this is a real temporary window of opportunity for me, and I better be as wise as I can about my future. But you know the funny thing is? They're mistaken just like many of us. They believe it's going to last forever. Man, I see guys who have gone through a tremendous amount of money, more than some of us will ever go through in a lifetime, and have absolutely nothing to show for it because God says they were not wise in the resources that God had given them in the period of time that they gave them. And it's a matter of planning ahead. Do you plan ahead for tomorrow? Do you plan ahead for the rainy day? One guy says, well, we live in Southern California and hardly ever rains here. Oh, good, okay. So I guess we don't have to plan ahead for rainy days. Well, that's a dumb thing to say. You know, we need to be thinking about our futures, every one of us. We need to be getting educated. We need to be trained. We need to look at our society and look at our economy. And some of us have had jobs for 20 or 30 years. And guess what? They're not going to exist in three or four or five or even six more months because we're moving more toward a service economy rather than a, uh, rather than a manufacturing-based industry. We're moving more in those directions. And we've got people that are trenched in that don't realize that they need to adjust and they need to adapt and they need to get trained and they need to grow and they need to get education to help them for their futures. Well, this is what I've always done. That's what I'm always going to do. Well, you are nuts. And you will be unemployed. And you will be sitting there bitter and angry at life because you thought that that was going to be an eternal thing for you in the job that you have. Well, good luck if you haven't figured it out by now. You're not a very wise person. A wise person sees what's going on in the world that they're in and trusts God to continue to give them wisdom on what to do in the future and is preparing today for tomorrow. David, the shepherd boy that was out there, he was, he was submissive to his father. He was training his sheep. He was out there doing what he was supposed to do, was being trained in that field for one day, occupying the throne of all Israel. He didn't wake up one day and say, okay, now I'll be king today. God had been preparing him. We better be redeeming the time wisely. Number five, and that has to do, again, with submitting to authority. He who accepts a command is wise in the sight of God. We need to submit to authority. 
Some of us are rebellious. Some of us don't want to listen to anybody. That's why when we're criticized, we think that we're better than the person who's criticizing us or trying to correct us in an area of life. We need to be more submissive to authority. It's a right thing to do before God. It's honoring before God. Authority is a ministering agent to bring peace into our society. Everything falls apart if we don't, if we don't obey or recognize structure and authority. We need to understand that even as a church, we need to understand that some people don't like what the Board of Elders has done. Some people don't like what other people do. Some people don't like what their boss does. Some people don't like what their parents do. Some people don't like what policemen do. Some people don't like what the government does. Hey, we all got a problem, and it's in the heart of man. It's called rebellion to authority. And we need to understand authority and structure, and we need to be submissive to the will and the word of God. We need to understand this, folks, because we're going to be all messed up if we don't. Number six. The wise person continues to learn. We're all learning and growing. We're all learning and growing. We haven't found it. We're not there. We're all learning and growing. Number seven, we're controlled in the way that we talk. We're going to talk a lot about that. Probably shouldn't talk as much because the Bible warns about talking too much. But we need to deal with this, and we will throughout this series, practical proverbs to help us deal with how we speak to one another. Lying and gossiping and slander and talking too much and not listening enough. In a nutshell, just do this. Don't talk so much and listen more. Number eight. We're wise when we win others to Christ. Proverbs 11 talks about seizing, seizing the day, seizing the fruit. And it speaks specifically to getting under the skin of a person that you want to reach for Jesus Christ and understanding their heart, understanding what makes them tick, understanding where they're at in life, where they've come from, their background, their history, what's going on so that you can befriend them and become close to them, so that you can one day be used by God to tell them about the greatest thing they ever need to hear, and that's that God loves them and Jesus died for them. And then the last thing is, we're wise when we're prudent and when we're discerning, and the bottom line, it just has to do with understanding. How do you know you're wise? Number one, you're accountable to God. It's not based on consequence or anything else. It's based on the fact that God says it. You understand that more than anything. Whether any of us see you or don't see you, whether anybody sees me or not, I'm accountable to God, foremost, first priority. Number two, we're willing to accept criticism. We're willing to accept correction when we're wrong. We need to study the Word of God. And that what goes back to, you know what? Some of us are criticizing one another because of our hair, because of the, how we dress, because of you know going to a movie. We criticize each other for all the peripheral things and to correct each other and all that stuff when we really should be correcting each other in areas of doctrine and things that are clearly right and clearly wrong and not a matter of our interpretation of culture and things of that nature. Let's just work on correcting one another where the Bible says we need correcting. And I'll tell you what, when we're doing more of that, we're going to all be willing to listen a little more, aren't we? Rather than, you don't like the way I look. Well, who cares? You know, if I cared, I would have called you and asked you if I could wear this today. As it is, my wife and I have got that worked out. Thank you very much. You know, if I can get away with it with her, then we're running with it. You know, so who cares about everything else? We're willing to change our view when we're confronted with the truth. When the facts present themselves and our view has been wrong, then we change our view. And we adjust and we adapt to the correct view. We plan ahead for the future. We continue to learn. And good news for some of you old dogs, we can teach old dogs new tricks. Thank you very much. Control our speech, season it, and also understanding. Are you a wise person? One man says, a wise person is one who is sensitive to the Lord and subjects himself to God. 
A wise person will apply guidelines revealed by God and makes daily decisions based on these truths. In its deepest meaning, wisdom unites God's word and everyday experience. And it is only in the way a person lives his life that wisdom can be truly demonstrated. How are you living your life? Are you a wise person or are you a fool? And we'll find out next week what a fool is. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity just to look into your word. Help us to uh, learn, if nothing else, to learn this one thing, that we don't know everything that we think we know, and that we need to seek your wisdom, we need to search your scripture, and we need to be led into all truth. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God, who indwells every believer and guides us into truth, who reminds us of the things of Jesus Christ, his works, his redemption, his words, and his life that we can know what's true, that we can know what's right. God, help to remind us that we must continually seek your wisdom so that we can use your knowledge in a way that's pleasing to you. God, help us to demonstrate in how we live our life that we are truly wise people in your sight. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.